0: do it. Alright, what's up everybody? This is Mike with a House Divided here with Keith Frankel. Keith, how you doing buddy?
1: I am doing good. I'm ready to podcast.
0: Alright, alright. And uh, Brock done. Brock, how's it going, man? It's going great.
2: Ready to pop that podcast cherry myself.
0: Awesome, awesome. Alright, so uh, we're here to talk about the Eagles and the Cowboys and all other things irrelevant to the NFL. Um, and just kind of go through that together. Got a couple of topics stated we're going to talk about uh, between the three of us. So uh, we'll start it off with the uh, NFC playoff picture and what we're looking at um, for the NFC since, you know, we are Cowboys and Eagles fans in here. So uh, we'll start it off with Brock. Brock, how do you feel about the state of the NFC playoff race? Who's going to get that first round bye? And what do you think is going to be the turnout? Yeah,
2: so... Overall, I actually think it's a pretty boring year for the NFC playoff race. That's kind of my take on it. Um, The only spot that's really up for grabs is the NFC East that we're going to go into a lot more detail on here between the Cowboys and Eagles. Other than that, everything else is pretty locked down. We know the Packers or Vikings, both are going to make it from the NFC East. We know we got the Seahawks and the 49ers. And it looks like the Saints are running away with the South as well with the Panthers falling here, so... With five weeks left in the season, it's kind of disappointing from an overall NFL standpoint that there's really not going to be too much drama. Um, but what is looking good for the NFC is that there's going to be six strong teams to make the playoffs. should be a really, really good playoffs once we get there compared to the AFC that might have a couple of blowouts in the first round. Um, but yeah, that's really my overall thing. Without getting too much into the NFC East for now, um, I just really think it, it looks pretty boring. Do you guys see any kind of upset that could come from the wild cards that wouldn't be, you know, Vikings or Seahawks, or do y'all
1: think those are pretty locked down, like I think?
0: Keith, what do you think? Well,
1: um, I mean, Seahawks are only one game behind the Niners, and um, we'll see how they go down the road. Um, I know the Niners got the Ravens coming up, and um, as far as the NFC East goes, I feel like um, that's going to be, you know, a crazy race to see who comes out on top. And uh, whichever team does, they're going to have an extremely tough matchup to start, even though they'll have a home game. Um, You know, like you said, they're either going to have the Seahawks or the Vikings, and um, it should be interesting.
0: Yeah, I have to say I agree with that. I think uh, the East is kind of going to be the fun division to watch just because both teams absolutely suck right now for some reason. Uh, Dallas seems to have the more talented roster out of the two, but for some reason the old clapper just can't get it together. And I think uh <laughs> I think Jerry Jones is really starting to get frustrated with that. But I mean aside from that, uh, I agree. I, I think the Seahawks are still in that race. Um and I think them making the wild card, them or the Vikings, it's gonna be uh a tough matchup for the east division which is is probably going to end up playing i i think the vikings is going to be the 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 likely matchup for this or actually i think the seahawks is the likely matchup after all um i i think either one of the nfc east teams is if either, either of them make it to the playoffs is probably going to get knocked out at home in the first game that's kind of how i'm feeling about both of the teams they just uh, you know, I just don't know. I mean, and they could both surprise us. They both could come in swinging in the next, you know, four or five weeks and start picking up the pace and looking hot. But I think the other front runners, uh in the division is just the 49ers and the Saints are, I, to me, just going to slaughter whoever they end up playing against. Um, that's kind of how I feel about it. Well, here's a little bit of hope for the NFC East out there um
2: the records aren't good obviously when you look at it they're both struggling and the rest of the division's kind of running away from them as we just talked about but if you look past just the records and look at some of the more advanced metrics i like to look at dvoa a lot it's a football outsider stat i'm not sure if you guys are too familiar with it but it's been around for 10 20 years and it just kind of ranks the offense defense and overall of a team Um, by by some more advanced stats. So it looks at how they are on their efficiency of their offense, efficiency of their defense, depending on who they're playing. And it kind of gives you a better number than just, hey, this is how many yards per game they have on offense or defense. And Dallas is actually fifth in the NFL, and Philly is ninth. So even though they're both just struggling to make the last playoff spot in the NFC, I think that that shows there's been a little bit of bad luck compared to their talent level so far this year. And that if those two teams get it together – if one of them at least can get it, you know, get their stuff together down the stretch, kind of find who they are, find their identity, and has a home game, I think they do have a pretty good chance in the first round. And you remember, it was the same Seattle team last year. Sure, their offense wasn't clicking on all cylinders and the play calling was pretty bad. But that same Seattle team went into Dallas last year, and Dallas was actually able to win that playoff game pretty handily. So um, I actually think that between Dallas and Philly, having a home game. I would favor one of them to win that game, assuming that whoever does win the division has figured something
1: out and they're not
2: both sputtering in the playoffs. Um, what do you think, Dave?
1: Yeah, I agree and and um the good thing you could say about Philly is that their defense has come together. Um they've they've gotten some players back off of injury. So, um you know, you expect the Eagles to have um an offense that can um, Complement their defense. So if they can get it together and uh, and score some points, and you know they can beat just about any team. And and when you look at the Cowboys, uh, their worst loss this year was ten points to the Packers. But everything else is four points or less. I mean, they got a two point loss to the Saints, two point loss to the Jets, which the Jets were an elite team that week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> four points to the Vikings, and then four points to the Patriots. So. Um, the Cowboys, they just haven't been able to, you know, finish the, finish the game against the good teams, but you got to expect, you know, they got a tough schedule, uh, remaining. So if they can actually beat some of these teams to make it out of the NFC East, then they're going to have a good shot at playoffs. Cause they'll, they'll have some good wins under them. You know, I kind of,
0: a part of me wants to feel that way about, about both of the teams. I think one thing that kind of has stood out to me, um, about the Eagles defense is that they've played both Tom Brady and Russell Wilson in the last two weeks, and they've been able to hold both teams to under 17.3 points, which uh, they currently in the last five weeks have the best defense uh, in the NFL. Uh, now, again, the the first three games of those last five games were against cupcake opponents. Those offenses weren't doing anything anyways. But I think to hold uh, Tom Brady and Russell Wilson, uh, Tom Brady without a touchdown pass um, in that game, and um, to hold Russell Wilson to under 200 yards, uh, I think that really says something um, about the defense, and I think that's one thing that could kind of tilt things in the Eagles' favor. Um, And it it really, I think what makes me feel that way, um, a little more so about the division itself is... Uh, The Cowboys, for whatever reason, they have, I mean, at the very least, a top 10 quarterback. Uh, I would say probably a top five, maybe, you know, if you wanted to kick him out of that top five. This year, at least. This year, yeah. Wide receiver, um, you know, in Amari Cooper. um, And then they have arguably the best running back in the game right now, um, to include a fairly stout defense. Uh, they probably have the best set of linebackers in the NFL, if not maybe second or third best. Um, but I think they have a, a very stout uh, defense. But their their record and the uh, you know to me it seems like the coaching, um, you know, and that kind of goes into our next segment about you know how we feel about the Cowboys and it, it seems like they have a talented roster, but poor performance. And you know, and we've been you know we want to talk about who's to blame for that? I mean, do we want to look at the players themselves? Does it just come down to coaching or do they just not blend together? Um, You know, what what, what do you think about that, Keith? How do you feel about the Cowboys in their their record right now?
1: Yeah, yeah, the record's tough because, like I was saying earlier, all those close losses, um, I think it comes down to decision-making throughout the game. And you can look at uh, the um, Patriots game last week where down – a touchdown with six minutes to go fourth and seven. Um, I think that was on the 11 yard line in the red zone. They kicked the field goal, which, you know, that game, you never know what's going to happen and you want to get points on the board. But, um, you know, when it came down to it at the end, that was our best shot at, at actually punching one in. So, um, it seems like a lot of the calls or a lot of the coaching decisions have been kind of scared and, and, um, they're not very aggressive. So I'd like to see that more. Cause I know, um, Dak is having the best year um outside i mean you can say his rookie season was his best year but to me just watching him throughout the years i think this is his best season especially as of late and um i'd like to see him throw the ball more and and be more aggressive
2: i I totally agree keith i think that this is Dak's best year and the reason is that the reason the offense is succeeding this year, it's actually the second-ranked offense in DVOA behind only Baltimore, which we'll talk about later. But Dak is the reason the offense is succeeding this year instead of just being a byproduct of it. His rookie year, he was hitting guys in the right spot, but the offensive line was more dominant. We still had it, weapons on the outside. Witten was more of a factor. And he was just kind of orchestrating the offense, being you know a game manager, doing what he had to do, putting up good numbers. But you probably could have put – 10, 15 quarterbacks in the NFL that year in that situation, and they would have been just as good as Dak. This year, Dak's making plays, especially the last few games. He's really come on. The New England game aside, I mean, they have a historically great secondary. But before that, he was absolutely tearing it up. And he's actually third in the NFL in QBR this year. So the offense is clicking on all cylinders. But to get back to what Mike was saying, and this might actually shock you, Mike, if I'm being honest and I had to pick who's going to win the division right now, I would have to go with Philadelphia because of a few factors. Number one, the strength of schedule down the stretch is, is totally in Philadelphia's favor. They actually have the easiest schedule of the last five games. And if you take out their game against Dallas, here's their other four games. Get ready for this because I don't think I've seen an easier four-game stretch the entire year. Dolphins, Giants, Giants, Redskins. Those are their four games outside of the Dallas game. If that's not four wins you've got a problem. So it's, you know, even though they're sitting at five and six right now, they could easily be 10 and six with all they have to do is beat Dallas at home. Um, And that's really what it comes down to is the fact that they have Dallas at home. And I was just going to add to Keith's point with Jason Garrett. I mean, it's beyond the point where we need to, to think about getting a new coach. If Jerry Jones is finally seeing the light, but when's the last time that we went two weeks in a row without Jason Garrett making a questionable call? Like Keith just mentioned, he kicked a field goal down seven. We hadn't scored much against New England, and we're inside the 10. I can't remember the last time that we went through a multiple-game stretch where Jason Garrett hasn't done something mind-boggling, hasn't punted from the 38, hasn't tried to kick a crazy field goal, had the worst play call you have ever seen on fourth and five. Um, There's something with Jason Garrett all the time where he ignores the numbers, he ignores what's going on in the game, and he takes the
0: talent and does the least he can with it on that given Sunday.
2: And I don't trust him down the stretch.
0: You know, I have to say, you know, with that, Jason Garrett, he's always seemed to be the guy that just, I, I almost want to say he's scared. He's a, hes afraid to to call the big play. And the big plays that come in the games come from his players either getting open downfield, um, Dak making a crazy scramble, or just Zeke, you know, brushing off defenders, you know, breaking a few tackles and making a 40, 50-yard run. I think aside from those things, there's not really much that he does to scheme the game you know, in the team's favor. He doesn't really help his players get into the position to succeed. And I think that's really his biggest flaw. And he's too afraid to take the big shot and call the ballsy play uh, that, that's going to really put Dallas up ahead. I think if they had a better head coach and, and a better play caller, um, I, I think they would be a much better team. I, I think they'd be a bigger threat to the division uh, talent-wise. Uh, I think my concern is is that Jerry Jones, to me, did what he needed to do to make Dak look like a fantastic quarterback. I mean, arguably it, top 10 for sure this season uh, in general. And I think a lot of that comes from Jerry Jones pulling the talent that he needed to improve Dak, I think if you look at Dak before the Amari Cooper trade, and a lot of people saw that trade and were like, what the hell is Jerry Jones doing giving up a first-round pick for a guy that, that might be a rental? But yep. you, you look at what he's done with the team and how Dak has performed having him. I mean, it, it's just night and day. I, I, if you look back to last year before they got Amari Cooper, Dak looked terrible to me. He, he didn't seem like he was he was confident in the pocket. He seems stressed. There were a lot of times where the defense confused him. But now he has that trust in his receivers. And you can just tell. He looks at the defense and he knows he doesn't really have to worry. You know, he's not scared of anything. Um, And I think that kind of leads me into the complete opposite of that, into our next segment. Um, You know, the Eagles, is it the front office, the players, or is it both? And um, I think I'll just jump right into that one. Um, you know, we can, I guess you guys can tell already who the Eagles and, and Cowboys fans are, <laughs> but, uh, I, we'll, we'll keep you guessing. I promise. <laughs> um, so <laughs> with, with the Eagles, uh, I think, um, you know, looking at Carson Wentz, I think we can all agree that talent wise, he has the potential to be maybe a top five quarterback, yeah, you know, on a good, on a good season, uh, on a bad Absolutely. season. he's he's you know playing like Andy Dalton. You know, and it's just, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where he's gone from one extreme to the next over the span of a couple seasons. In his rookie year, he flashed signs of excellence. He flashed that big play ability. He just didn't have anybody around him. Uh, come 2017, he has the, you know, insane season uh, where he's hitting his passes. He's making those crazy runs. He's hitting guys in stride, throwing them open. Um, And then 2017, we all know what happens. You know, he gets hurt. Nick Foles comes in um, and wins the Super Bowl. And half of the Eagles fan base is screaming for Nick Foles to be the guy from now on. We can all agree to disagree that Nick Foles probably isn't the guy for Philadelphia in the long run. Um, But in terms of what's going on now, I mean, last season... Uh, Carson Wentz's numbers again improved from 2017 but you didn't see those see those big plays and a lot of people were left wanting more and the Eagles made the trade for um Golden Tate and it just didn't seem to fit and when you look at Golden Tate he's a slot receiver he he can play everywhere um, he's he's got the yards after the catch, uh, but he's he's still a pr- possession receiver for the most part. And I think when you look at Carson Wentz, he absolutely is a gunslinger. He's a guy that needs to have people that can just run around the field at all times. Um, you know, I'm not saying he's as good as Patrick Mahomes is, but if you look at Mahomes' skill set, they are relatively similar. And I think a lot of what Andy Reid has done to surround. Patrick Mahomes with fast players that get open and can continue to play when he's scrambling, it makes a world of difference. And 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 you look at what's going on now. He's got slow receivers. Jordan Matthews just got cut yet, uh, today. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. He's a slow dude. Um, You know, he's not going to blow the top off of anybody. You have Alshon Jeffrey, who looks like he's aged 10 years in the last two seasons. Uh, He can't seem to make a break on his route. He can't beat man coverage. He's pretty much a 50-50 ball guy, or he's nothing.
2: It doesn't help that he's on that Kelvin Benjamin diet. Looks like I mean, he takes a week off and he's gained five pounds.
0: Absolutely, and I think that's been a problem in his whole career. He comes, he comes back healthy, and then he he gains weight. And if you look at pictures of him from the seventeen season to this season, he does look heftier, and he he is moving slower. And then you have Nelson Aguilar, who sure he has speed, but for some for some reason he can't run the routes. You know, right. Um, And I think that's been pointed out on a few different videos on Twitter and, you know, all over the place where he's not running routes right and he can't catch the ball. I mean, there's a couple of games and people are going to say, oh, you're making excuses for Carson Wentz. And, you know, he's played, Carson Wentz has played bad the last two games. But I think that is a a product of what he's been handed. I mean, if you look at the the Falcons game, uh, game winning touchdown through the fingers of Nelson Aguilar. Uh, just drop after drop. And then he's got the Lions game. He threw a, a deep ball game winning touchdown uh, to JJ Ortega Whiteside, who is basically an Alshon Jeffrey clone, Uh drop pass there. Um, both of those would have been game winning comebacks and their record would look a whole lot different than it does right now. If they would have caught those passes. And again, he's made bad throws. He's, he's been inaccurate. His footwork looks terrible. But I think that's a byproduct of one, poor coaching on the receivers, uh, poor quarterback coaching in terms of keeping him to par with with what he did in 2017. Uh, they lost both their offensive coordinator and their quarterback coach, with I think both of those had a huge influence on him. Um, and then not getting players that can run around the field for a gun-slinging quarterback. I think Howie Roseman really failed to set him up for success. I mean, he signed Deshaun Jackson. The one game he had Deshaun Jackson, he throws two 50-plus-yard touchdowns for over 200 yards. Huge difference to what we're seeing right
1: now. Um, But, you know, I've done my rant. (laughs) What do you guys think? Oh, I I think you said it all. We don't have to talk about the Eagles ever again if you don't want to. Oh, we found the Dallas fan. (laughs) No, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying and um and like like you're saying as well with the injuries. I mean I'm just looking at uh this past game with the Seahawks and I only know Zach Ertz, Scotter, Jordan Matthews who got dropped. Um I mean, I don't know these other guys and they like they do need more talent around Carson Wentz. I mean if, if they're having all these drop passes, um and Carson Wentz, you know, he, you know he's a good quarterback. Um, just imagine them picking up a first down rather than being third and long or, you know, keeping the drives going. So he's been producing pretty good numbers. Um, you know, he hasn't had the best year so far. You know, he's looked uncharacteristic uh, with some bad throws on his own part. But, um, you know, this season we'll see what they can do, if they can pick up any free agents. But they might need a, to look into receivers for the draft coming up. Well,
2: that's really where they sputtered, right? The Philadelphia front office built a hell of a team that won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, but they have a really sore spot on the resume, and that's wide receiver. It's not like they haven't thrown resources at it, guys. They you know, put big money to Alshon Jeffrey, who had injury concerns in Chicago. This is nothing new. Um, their draft picks, Jordan Matthews was a first-round pick. They just picked him up as a free agent. No one else wants him. They had to cut him again. Nelson Aguilar, first-round pick, I believe so. Not is definitely in the first two rounds.
0: Yeah, he was first. He was first round. Catch a
2: pass to save his life. Um for whatever reason, the scouting department has just missed on first round picks. And you could say that if they would just been average there, at least one of these guys had hit, but something reliable on the outside to go with Ertz, that this would have been a championship contender last year and going into this year. To Mike's point, the defense has really stepped it up. And that is the key for Philly if they're gonna keep it going. They have the easy schedule, they can find their groove on offense because the defense is finally something they can rely on. Everyone is saying that they needed to go get Jalen Ramsey. Well, that just turned out not to be the case. The secondary has started playing better. Look what they did against MVP candidate Russell Wilson this last week, outside of a trick play long touchdown. They were pretty solid. Lockett really did nothing to them. And they actually have the seventh defense in DVOA right now in the entire league. And exactly like Mike said, it's, it's even higher than that in the last few weeks. The reason that... I would be optimistic if I was an Eagles fan, and then I'm picking him to win the division also, is that Carson Wentz, despite everything we just said, he has been having to give up hope because he's been getting hit. His receivers are dropping balls. I could see it in the Seattle game. He's still eighth in the league in QBR this year. So, So go back to 2017. He was first in the league in QBR. The only difference between that year and this year is the surrounding talent. It's the exact opposite of what we talked about with Dak. Last year, Dak didn't have Cooper. Gallup wasn't developed yet. There was no Jason Witten to fall back on, and Dak looked very average. Well, let's reverse this year. Uh, Wentz has nowhere to go right now with the play calling, with the exit of the coaches and the the league catching up to the RPO offense that Philadelphia really took the league by storm with in 2017. Um, I think the coaching's been average. The receivers have been about as bad as they can in the NFL. Carson Wentz has not played his best, and he's still 8th in QBR. They still have an average offense in DVOA, and uh, with the schedule down the stretch, I think it's only going to be better. The real key, though, is how are they going to do against Dallas? That's the entire season, guys. It's Dallas at Philly, the winner of that game, 95% chance of winning the division, going to the playoffs, and so far, last two years, the Eagles are 0-3 against Dallas. They just haven't been able to get past them.
0: And they can't Um, beat them when Zeke is on the field.
2: Yeah, so, so what do you think has been their real struggles when they played Dallas specifically? I mean, I know this year it got out of hand fast. It's almost hard to take anything from that game um, from a schematic point of view, but what do you well, think is the one thing they have to do? Is, is it stop Zeke?
0: I think this year I, a couple things happened. The first thing is, is that Doug opened his mouth, and I know he was just <laughs> trying to express confidence <laughs> in his players, but he opened his mouth, and he said we were going to go down and win that game. That pissed off. I'm pretty sure the entire starting lineup. I mean, <laughs> they came out on fire. And All then you the have
2: had the best game of the year. That's for sure.
0: Absolutely. And then you have the, the fumbles in the beginning. You you can't start a game losing losing the fumble race in the first two offensive drives. Unaccept. When that happens, they they obviously put points up on the board immediately. That game got away from them in the first 10 minutes. Uh, there's just no getting around it. And I, And I think looking at that and looking at what our defense was then, You're playing with fourth-string corners and safeties. Um, Injured linebacker core, your entire defensive line, Sands, Fletcher, Cox, was pretty much gone. Um, I think this next game is going to be a huge tell on where both teams stand in the division, Uh, because now you're playing against the real defense of both teams. And the offense, you know, of course, they're still missing Deshaun Jackson, so they're going to have to figure something out. And I think the key is getting the run game going for Philadelphia. Doug loves to have a pass-happy offense, but you can't have a pass-happy offense with people that can't catch and can't beat man coverage. It just doesn't work. You can have people sit in the zone all day. You can have running backs open in the flat all day. That's not going to get you anywhere, especially not against the fast linebackers uh, of Dallas. They've got the fastest linebackers in the league. These guys can keep up with running backs no problem, and they can hit. And and I think you can't win games like that. You're going to have to run the ball straight at them and just ram it down their throats. That's really the only way. And, And I think the key defensively for Philadelphia to beat Dallas is to shut down Amari Cooper. And, and keep him out of the game. He's a game-breaker. He's going to change the game. You know, thir- third and 14, and he's and he's wide open beating a man, and, and Dak's going to find him. I mean, Dak's looking <laughs> for him now. He's going he's <laughs> to find him when he's sitting in that zone, when he's beating the corner. It, it's going to happen. And he, the so maybe I'll just need
2: Jalen him. Ramsey, if not I, just for Amari Cooper.
0: You know, Jalen Ramsey, well, we're going to get to Jalen Ramsey in a little bit because we're going to talk about <laughs> what the hell happened to the Rams. Uh, but I think Jalen Ramsey is not as good as he, as people thought he was, and it's really showing in the defense that he's in right now. Maybe he's in the wrong system, uh, but but you know we'll get it there. What do you um, think, he,
2: as the other Cowboy fan? I'm kind of interested. Do you think uh, do you think the Cowboys are going to pull out this division, or do you kind of agree with me that it's going to be tough having to go to Philly for that game?
1: Yeah, it is going to be tough going to Philly. I mean, it seems like. The last, uh, it's either week 17 or week 16, and Cowboys have to go to Philly to keep their playoff hopes alive, so uh, they got the Bills this Thursday, and I mean, that's probably, besides the Bears, I mean, now that you see the Rams yesterday, that kind of looks like an easier matchup, but I mean, I feel like Cowboys almost, like every game's a must-win game, because you don't want to fall behind and and uh, depend on that Eagles-Cowboys game because, you know, the Eagles are a whole nother team in Philly. So um, I think – The defense uh, is at least. The the defense is definitely a whole nother team in Philly. Yeah, and um, I think uh, my key way of Philly beating the Cowboys is winning the tur- turnover game. Um, if they can disrupt Dak yep. and maybe get an interception early and – and score, get get a good lead, because Cowboys have been struggling uh, coming back from deficits. I mean, you've seen all their losses. They get it down early, and, and they can't quite overcome it, so um, if, if Philly can jump out on top early and, and maintain that, I mean, that's, that's the key to victory for him.
0: Yeah, and I think that's actually been a, a sore point for Dallas this season specifically. Dak was having, I mean, since his rookie year, he, he could lead comeback victories, this season it just doesn't seem to be happening. And I I again think that points to coaching.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I agree.
2: I think that Jason Garrett really gets his hands in the pot whenever he gets those critical fourth down plays. When He gets nervous you're exactly right, Mike. It's his you know, nature to go conservative. That's how he's kept his job for so long, with being so average. He goes conservative. He does a safe thing to stay employed. Whenever the offense is flowing and clicking earlier in the game, it's Kellen Moore calling the game. It's Dak out of at the line. Things are great. But the tighter it's gotten this year, later in the games, calling timeouts to drop the plays, the play calls are horrible. Dak looks tight. And that's um, exactly where we don't want to be, is down in Philly, relying on the comeback against that defense and that pass rush.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be – I'm going to go with a two-point game. I think, it's going to, I think it's going to close with Dallas either working their way back and they just can't get to the end zone and, and, and win the game or some sort of defensive stop, a fumble interception or something. If Philly wins, that's probably going to be how the game goes down.
1: Dallas kicks a field goal at the end of the buzzer to only lose by two. And I try to go for 10. <laughs> <laughs> it's third and seven. He's kicking a field goal. It wouldn't even <laughs> surprise me.
2: Jason Garrett's probably got some gambling debts. He's
0: seen for the cover. Yeah, he's like, hey, hey, you I've, never I've, know. I've got Philly's defense on my fantasy league. He's got to <laughs> win. Um. All right. Well, then let's talk about, Um. you know, we talked about receivers and and. Poor play in the receiving core for Philadelphia. So let's let's talk about a receiver, and, and we can talk about a few receivers if you guys want to. Um, one name that came up today was uh, dontrell Inman, waived as a free agent, passed through waivers. He's a, he's completely free. Uh, no team went for him yet. Um, I, I guess I'll take the lead with this one. Uh, dontrell, uh, excuse me, dontrell Inman. Uh, he's a good route runner. He's not going to blow the top off of anybody. Um, he's he's going to get open. Uh, he has decent hands. He's not the fastest guy, but I think he has a little bit of the shimmy. He's got that, that little bit of elusiveness uh, to make a defender miss, uh, to get open um, in the middle of the field on a slant. Um, and I think that's something that a couple of teams are needing. I think Philadelphia needs a receiver uh, for sure. Uh, he might be a fit there. Yeah, he's, he's definitely an upgrade from what they have right now. Uh, a Colts is an, the a Colts the Colts is a, another good option um for him specifically
1: uh what do you guys think well i i personally don't think he should be going to the Eagles i think um, <laughs> <laughs> i think i think they can do better um i mean we can talk about jj nelson later but i think that would be a better fit for him to go to the eagles um i think once once they get a little bit more healthy with their receivers um that's kind of kind of take the place of inman for for what kind of receiver he is so um i i can't think of other teams that could use receivers at the moment but um, i'm sure he'd be a better fit elsewhere i think the raiders raiders just lost
0: um uh oh man, his name's eluding me right now. They just lost their receiver for the year, um. So I think they need a receiver as well. I don't know why I'm forgetting his name right now, but, but the Raiders did lose a receiver. Yeah, I, I think Inman's going to be picked up. He's he's been pretty solid, and compared to the
2: receiving core Philly just had, you know, this last week, he could obviously be used. They're literally grabbing guys off the street. But to Keith's point, I mean, once you know everyone gets healthy. If Inman's the guy making the difference for your team, you're probably not going to the Super Bowl anyway. Oh, I absolutely agree.
0: Hunter Renfro—that's who went down for um, okay. the Raider. Um But yeah, I okay. I think uh, I think Inman could fill a role. But you're right. I I don't think he's going to come and be a game breaker of any sort uh, for Philadelphia. And I I agree with uh, what Keith was saying, which you know we can jump right into other receiving options uh, for Philadelphia since we're on that on that topic. Um, I agree. I think of all players that they should have brought in for a workout, uh, sans Antonio Brown, um, we'll get into the Antonio <laughs> Brown debacle here in a minute, <laughs> but I think JJ Nelson would have been the best option for them to sign off the street. I just can't understand how he's mindset. He is going to die on that Hill. I think he's going to, he's going to say, I, I put money into this year. I, 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 I got Deshaun Jackson. I'm going to die on this hill. We're just going to go where we go with what we have. And, you know, it's unfortunate, I think, because I think J.J. Nelson could be the difference that this offense needs. Um, You know, he's not going to win the Super Bowl. You're absolutely right. He's not going to be that guy either. But what he is going to do is he's going to open the offense for Carson Wentz. And I think that's going to be the difference maker. Uh, For the offense, they need somebody to open the mid-range throws that's going to blow the top off and keep that safety off the mid-range passes. Um, And I think J.J. Nelson would have been a perfect fit for that.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's better than what they have now. That's that's for sure. And, you know, Deshaun Jackson, I think he's being a little bit overhyped by Philly fans. But that is the point that can't be stressed enough is even though he hasn't been that great in the NFL the last few years, he happens to have the one skill set that the receivers right now at Philly don't have that he can take the top off a of defense without letting the ball go right through his hands. So anyone that can do that would would help this team right now. But <laughs> you know it's it's always tough to just integrate someone this far into the season and expect things to get better. quickly. Absolutely. And what does it say yeah. about the
0: coaching? I, I think I think the biggest blunder for Philadelphia is the coaching. Uh, I don't the promote from within mentality has really set them up for failure. I really. I think that was a bad idea. They need an offensive coordinator to come from the outside. They need a quarterback coach that's going to come in and keep Carson Wentz at the top of his game. Doug Peterson can't do it all. He's already calling the plays. He's already designing plays um, because Groh just can't seem to get it done. And you know, quite honestly, they're they're not creative together. Groh is a great wide receiver coach, and he's part of the reason why uh, Nelson Aguilar blew up in 2017, and Alshon Jeffrey had a decent year. Um, but that season, they also had Tory Smith to keep that safety off the mid-throws, and, and he's taking the top off the defense, and that's exactly what they needed. And I think the culmination of those three things is really hampering the offense for Philadelphia.
2: All right, Mike, so who, who wins the division?
0: Uh, the you know... This is a tough one for me. Part of me wants to say Philadelphia just because, you know, I'm a Philadelphia fan. But the other part of me looks at the way the offense seems to be sputtering. I'm going to say I want to reserve judgment until I see the offense in the next two weeks. If they can get some life with Dalshan coming back off of injury and Nelson Aguilar gets his head right and starts catching balls thrown his way. Uh, Maybe a few more weeks with the practice squad guy, Greg Ward. He came up and showed some promise. I mean, he played better than anybody else did. Uh, If they can do that in the next two weeks, I'm going to pick Philadelphia because I think their defense can stop Dak. If they don't and the offense looks as crap as it's been the last two or three weeks, I'm going to say
1: Dallas is probably going to win the game. Well, let's just hope for... uh one of those gimme games that Philly has to actually not go their way. I mean, maybe in New York against the Giants, they can they can surprise them. I don't see the Redskins doing anything. Uh, Miami, um, definitely not. And the Cowboys uh, with with the Bills, Bears, and Rams the next three games. Um, outside of the Bills, I mean, the Bears and Rams are teams that, when the season started, you thought they were going to be division winners and, and now look at them, so... You expect Cowboys to to win those two. Um, I mean, obviously they're going to be tough, but um, it could actually come down to that Week 16 matchup, um, Cowboys and Eagles. It could the whole season be on that game. So, I personally- Keith, you actually uh, you you
0: got a you have a good segue there to talk about the Rams. But go,
1: I'm sorry, go ahead and finish. But oh, well, yeah. Um, I'm going to pick because I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm going to pick the Cowboys. Because I've seen how tough they've been able to play versus good teams, and um, with all these, all these, uh, you know, new coach, fire coach, keep him for the re- for the remainder of the year. Um, maybe if Jason Garrett knows that he's going to get let go, he's going to start being less conservative, and that'll help the Cowboys. Um, and then he'll be able to keep his job for five more years. I hope that yeah. happens, but then I don't. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. <laughs> It's, it's a blessing oh. and a curse yeah absolutely um let's uh oh, well Keith started it so let's let's talk about the the Rams and then we'll from the Rams we'll go into our last topic but let's talk about what in the hell has happened to the Rams this season they 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 go from playing in the Super Bowl granted they lost and their offense sputtered during that game um you know did Belichick give the NFL the blueprint to stop Sean McVay? Or what is going on? Is Jared Goff just that bad? Well, what's the problem with the Rams? Uh,
2: yes, is the answer to both of <laughs> questions, Mike. In, in all seriousness, people always overstate, oh, here's the blueprint for stopping someone. We'll talk about that later. But in this case, it's actually not an overstatement. Belichick went into the Super Bowl, evaluated Sean McVay's offense. Sean McVay's offense was revolutionizing the NFL. And the way he was doing it was by using a lot of tight sets that were really designed to beat tons of the man-beating coverages the NFL has started to use for RPOs and the standard cover two and cover three that the NFL had become accustomed to. So what did Belichick do? He went and ran a defense he didn't run the entire rest of the year, and he ran a defense out of college called a quarters defense that so far has been the best way to stop not only Sean McVay, but a lot of his you know copycats that were getting hired around the NFL. So so that's step one is Belichick said, Hey, here's a basic way to line up the defense. Quarters meaning that instead of having safeties over the top and underneath, you're gonna have, you know, people playing fourths of the field with extra underneath coverage. And it just does a lot better job of not getting crisscrossed with those tight sets that the Rams run. They can run, you know, so many drags, so much confusion out of it. The second part of that is Jared Goff. The guy is was number one overall pick over Carson Wentz. And Dak Prescott obviously went later in that draft. We just talked about these two guys. If you would have said last year when he was in the MVP contention, I think a lot of people would have said, "Yeah, I take Jared Goff over Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott," and they would have been dead wrong because this guy was a complete byproduct of Sean McVay. Last year, even with the you know three amazing wide receiver options, the best head coach offense you know in the NFL last year, the best offensive head coach. He was still only 10th in QBR. So I think it was a little bit overhyped. Todd Gurley was doing a lot of the work. The Scheme was doing a lot of the work. But he was still doing pretty good. This year, he's all the way down to 30th in the NFL in QBR. Do you have any idea how bad you have to be to be 30th <laughs> with some of the rookies out there?
0: Worse than the guy I that mean, gets benched watch- on his birthday.
2: I mean, literally, by <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, it- it's pitiful. If you watched the game last night, he can't hit open receivers. If you went back to you know watching him all the way in college at Cal, where I actually saw him in person at Austin, I watched uh, multiple of his games that year. He has a big arm. He's always had a big arm. But he never had the mobility that some of these other guys have. So whenever the play's not there, he's not going to buy the extra time. He's not going to be able to pick up it on his legs a little bit. But he doesn't have that Wince or Prescott ability to extend plays. And his accuracy just isn't that great. If the guys aren't wide open in the scheme. He's not hitting them. And you know what? This is a a big problem for the Rams because they just paid him over a hundred million dollars guaranteed. There's no way out of this. Um, to me, I, I really do think it's a doomsday State scenario. They've traded a lot of future first round picks for win down mode. They just did it again, to, you know, to get Jalen Ramsey, which, like you said earlier, Mike, has not really made too much of a dent. Their defense is actually a little bit better than last year. You know, um, in DVOA, it's up to 11th this year. It was 17th last year. But to go back to what I was just saying about Jared Goff, they were the second offense in the league last year in DVOA. They are all the way down to 22 this year. Uh, the run game is a little bit different, guys, but it's not the main difference. It's Jared Goff.
1: I completely agree. Um, I mean, he's he's got... Uh, I mean, he's, he's kind of like in Carson Wentz's shoes. He doesn't have any receivers. Wait, <laughs> he's actually got... <laughs> very 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 good receivers I, he's just not <laughs> not an accurate thrower um, I mean I was looking yesterday when they played the Ravens and just everything was off and I mean he could have hit some big plays He's just not accurate and um, and maybe something's I, I think their offensive line has gotten a little worse from last year so the running game that uh, really sparked their offense last year um, hasn't been there this year so um, when you're putting everything on Jared Goff, um, it's it's really showing that it's not being successful. Last year, Todd Gurley um, really did a lot, and uh, they were able to run those screens that aren't working this year. Um, so, well, and I yeah, think he's has- also he's missing one of the traits that a lot
0: of the quarterbacks coming into the game now have, and this wasn't a trait that was sought you saw it after you know ten years ago, but. It- Mobile quarterbacks is the way the NFL has gone, and it's really changed the game, and Jared Goff is not that quarterback. He moves as slow as Tom Brady when he's running. I mean, and Tom Brady is 20 years older than him. You, you, he, he, can't, he can't escape the pocket well. He can't create plays with his legs, and he can't scramble uh, and, and play the scramble game and, and get guys open. Um, when they're doing the scramble drill. And I think that's a big detriment to him. And I think Sean McVay's offense would operate a whole lot better if he had that talent. Um, So uh, that was our second to last topic. So let's get into another segue there. Uh, Mobile quarterbacks and now front runner for MVP, Lamar Jackson. Is he for real? Is he another quarterback that's come in and he's hot in his, in his first starting year and that's what's taking off and the NFL's just buying into the hype just like we do every year? Or is he just the next best thing, the real next best thing? Because Carson Wentz was that, Patrick Mahomes was that, was that, now it's Lamar Jackson. Is he that good? Or will defenses eventually figure him out?
2: I'll let you take this one first,
1: Keith. What do you think? I think he is for real. I am. Um, I mean, Mahomes last year was one of those quarterbacks that you would want to go out of your way to watch the game, to watch the Chiefs game. This year, it's the Ravens. You want to, you want to tune in and just see every single offensive snap the Ravens have because it's just that exciting. And um, I mean, you've seen him mobile. Uh, he's being compared to Michael Vick. I mean, he. It's it's hard to stop him once he gets out of the pocket, and um, and his throwing. I mean, last year, I I would have thought that uh, the Ravens would would have been mediocre this year, just of what I saw last year. He he wasn't a very accurate thrower, and something happened in the off season. Now he's throwing tight spirals. He's got a sidearm throw that he can throw when defenses are tight on him. Um, I mean, he's accurate. He's yesterday he had one bad pass that could have gone for a touchdown. I forget to who. Um, it might've been to Brown, uh, on a slant route though, slightly behind him, but I think that was the only bad pass I saw him throw. Um, every, yep. everything else was just right on the money. Um, he can pick up third and long. I mean, you, you never count him out on third and long. It's, you think they're going to pick up the first down. So, um, I mean, of course this is a lot of hype. You can say next year is different, but I mean, I just, I don't see it. Brock, what do you think? I absolutely agree with Keith.
2: Here's a crazy stat for you guys. Last night's game against the Rams was an unbelievable performance, but uh, ESPN has a stat QBR a couple times. It goes back almost 20 years now. It was one of the 10 best quarterback performances, according to QBR, in the history of the stat. Basically this century. And here's the crazy part. He has two other games this year that are top 10 all time in QBR. Three games, one season all from Lamar Jackson, Peyton Manning, maybe the top 2 quarterback ever doesn't have a single one of those games. Tom Brady, one game in the top 10. Lamar Jackson has 3 this season. Here's thing, Patrick Mahomes is the kind of quarterback that I would take above. I'll take him above Lamar Jackson. I take, you know, any era because of his arm and Patrick Mahomes is going to succeed, but Lamar Jackson is the perfect quarterback for this era. Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator, did an unbelievable job in the offseason designing an offense around him NFL coaches have been too stubborn for too long saying the stuff that's working in college, isn't going to work here. Except guess what it has RG three has proven to not be that great. His rookie year in Washington went off just by running a simple pistol read option offense. Now what did RG three do? He said, Oh, I don't want to run anymore. Agent went to Dan Snyder. They tried to make him a pocket passer. He was terrible. Vince young, maybe the greatest college quarterback of all time. Unbelievable athlete. What does Jeff Fisher do? trying to make him a pocket passer. Terrible. Colin Kaepernick has a little success running the pistol. People figure out how to stop his legs. You know, hey, same story, pocket quarterback. But that's not what they're doing in Baltimore. They're saying, hey, we want you to run this read option offense. We want you on the outside. We want you running RPOs. And Lamar Jackson's totally embracing it. He's going to set the NFL record for rush yards in a season. He is first in QBR. His first in DVOA offense. And he deserves all of it because, as, as Keith already said, his accuracy has so much over the offseason. You can see he's put in that work since college. He's not just a guy who has unbelievable wheels. He has Michael Vick-like wheels. And he's not just any athlete out there. He's got the kind of precision that is working at this level. Um, this is where we're going to see offenses going, guys, because it makes you cover the whole field. He doesn't have to get better than this. If he stays at this level, he's going to set a top three QBR season of all time defenses will start to catch up on some of the schemes. He will have to keep getting better. It's not going to be like this the rest of his career. Just like, you know, Mahomes last year was unbelievable. You're not literally going to have the best stats and be an MVP every year. But what you are going to do is be a sustainable MVP candidate and have your team in contention every year. If you stay to the, you know, the hard work that got you there with the passing and an offense that has Hollywood Brown running deep and over the middle wide open, the throws that Lamar Jackson gets to make because his legs – put so much stress on the defense to defend the run game. Um, they're just easier than these other pocket passers have to make. So yeah, if Jared Goff had the athleticism of Lamar Jackson, I'm sure he'd be looking a whole lot better, as Mike said. But he doesn't. So I, I really see Lamar Jackson thriving in an offense like this for the next five years. And then he'll be like Russell Wilson. Eventually, he'll learn, learn more about the game, mentally catch up. And maybe by the time he's 30, he'll be Russell Wilson, dominant, McNabb 2.0, where he can do it all from the pocket. But for now... This is the number one offense in the NFL. People don't want to see. It's causing everyone, including the Patriots, a historically great defense. It causes them nightmares. And if they can just find a way to get the one seed in the AFC, I think we're going to see the Ravens in the Super Bowl. Um, if they have to go to New England, it could be tough. But I absolutely think Lamar Jackson's for real. Greg Roman's going to have an NFL head coaching job next year. And these guys are scary. If I'm, you know, for my team, the Cowboys. If you're saying, hey, who's the team you don't want to see on your schedule? Number one pick is is the Baltimore Ravens.
1: Agreed. So, what
0: do you think, Mike? I'm I'm here. I'm going to give my hot take. It's time. I think it's time for a hot take uh, of tonight. Oh, oh. <laughs> I I agree with with almost everything to the T of what you guys both said.
1: Except but I for think all of it.
0: I think a key point that that needs to be stressed about every single more mobile quarterback that we've talked about and converting them into a pocket passer. So there's, there's two points that I want to talk about with that. The first one being, they are fantastic, and then they get hurt. And then once they get hurt, I'm not, I don't wish it upon anybody, but mobile quarterbacks take hits more, they're exposed a lot more, and they're not protected like quarterbacks that are in the pocket. They get hit, they get hurt a lot more frequently than any other quarterback that sits in the pocket and throws. And that forces coaches into submission into changing their offense to put them back as a pocket passer and I think that's my fear for Lamar Jackson I'm not saying he's not great and I'm not saying he can't be a good pocket passer but I think my legitimate concern is the same concern that we've had for Carson Wentz Patrick Mahomes for Aaron Rodgers, for for Michael Vick, even, um, and then RG three has always been a prime example for me as to as what happens in the NFL is they get hurt, the the offensive structure changes, the coaches are afraid to let them play that way because you're looking at your franchise, you're looking at the guy that you're paying millions of dollars to keep doing that, and you're gonna say no, I don't want you to play that way because I need you to play a whole season every season. And my, my second point is, is that you're right. The offensive coordinator has done a fantastic job molding the offense to what he has, and he should be the idol for every coach in the NFL right now, for every offensive coordinator that's out there. Look at what's being done in Baltimore, and tailor your offense to your talent. I can't stress that enough change your offense to fit the players that you have that seems simple it, it, <laughs> and, it, and it does it seems so simple but so many teams and so many coaches get headstrong and they just stick to their scheme yeah, plug and play does not work in the nfl i don't care what you, you say plug and play has not worked and it will not work unless you're the new england patriots Every other team in the NFL can't do that. You have to structure your offense around your players. And I think if Roman does get a head coaching job, I think that's going to hurt the development of Lamar Jackson because you're going to get another offensive coordinator that might not want to play that way. And that's my fear for Lamar Jackson. Again, I'm not saying he's not good enough, and I'm not saying he doesn't have the talent to do that, but those are real problems that his quarterback play style face.
2: Here's the the thing, though. If they bring an offensive coordinator that doesn't want to play to him, then that's on the organization, and I think you'll be right. But I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, John Harbaugh's been using a Yale Analytics guy. If you notice, they're going for it more than anyone on fourth down this year. It's because he's actually using the analytics, crunching the numbers and telling him what to do, and they're embracing that. They embrace this offense not just because that's what Greg Roman wanted to do before the season. It was an organizational push and effort. Um. I think it's you know I think it was JFK that said, the biggest fear is fear itself. <laughs> that's what I fear about with quarterbacks getting hurt. Because RG3 and the Redskins, they were too scared he was going to get hurt. And it ruined his career because he was not ready to be a pocket passer yet. He needed to lean on his legs and letting that open up those passing lanes like it did his rookie year. Um, you, you see that story over and over again. And that's what it's like for Lamar Jackson. I totally agree with you that if they just try to put... Pocket system next year, things are going to go poorly. He's not going to be Patrick Mahomes in the pocket. But I really think that they're committed, and he seems committed to running this modern offense to the best of its abilities. And yes, if he does get hurt, uh, he might get hurt once every so often. Tony Romo got hurt. Tons of pocket passers get hurt. They made a rule because Tom Brady got slid on in the pocket. Uh, if Lamar Jackson's just smart and gets out of bounds, and just the threat of him running opens up those running lanes for Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, the rookie out of Oklahoma State's explosive. They have so much depth on the backfield. I think that uh, he can be successful for years to come because the amount of hits that he'll take isn't that much higher than normal if he's smart about it. And it just opens up so many more lanes in the passing game that he can actually take less hits in the pocket because of that play action and threat of a run that it makes up for it as long as he's committed to it and the organization's committed to it beyond when they lose this offensive coordinator. Then I think they're going to be a force to be
1: reckoned with.
0: Well, so I you, guess we'll find out.
1: You guys think the offensive coordinator is gone after this year? Uh, I, I really
2: think. I mean, especially after a prime game last night, he's going to be the hottest name. Lincoln Riley, out of Oklahoma, who I want the Cowboys to hire, is going to be the number one, and I think Greg Roman is kind of number two. That's just from
0: unless the Ravens block him. I mean, they can they can block him from being hired outside and going well, for another job.
2: I mean, they usually one if it's a head coach. What what could hurt is if he goes to the Super Bowl and all the jobs are filling up, he may look at it and say, hey, I'm in a pretty good spot here, like Josh McDaniels is in New England, and, and not take any job. He might want a specific job. I honestly think that if Jason Garrett does get fired, that the Cowboys job is going to be highly coveted for obvious reasons. There's pro bowlers everywhere. There's a young quarterback. Um, young. I mean, everything you'd want. So I, I think he might choose to come back if the right job's not there after whatever their late playoff run is. But I definitely think he's going to be sought after. Um, just from what I've heard, you know, basically on Twitter and podcasts, his name is surfacing. And if, if you're, you know, let's just use the Cowboys because that's the team we know. And I guess you could say, wouldn't you want this guy? Wouldn't you want a guy who's going to look at the system and build it around your players instead of, like Mike said, trying to take his system and, and like Chip Kelly did in Philadelphia, make it fit no matter what. We don't what. speak his name here. <laughs> <laughs> I was a big Chip Kelly guy but he lost his way after the first year and it's because he wasn't willing to adjust uh, yeah I-, I think he's gone um, unless like I said he-, he could hold out but he's definitely going to be sought after I mean it's just to create this offense in one offseason and stick to it and literally be the number one offense in the NFL um, and by the way they have the number four defense guys that seems for real but uh, I, I would have won him if I was another team I'll put it that way
0: yeah, I agree. Well, I think we've hit, uh, I think we've hit every point this week, um, in our podcast and, uh, guys, don't forget to like us. You know, we're just a couple of uh, of losers that, uh, talk sports all the time and just decided to start recording. So, um, if you guys like us, hit that, like, um, you know, and again, I'm Mike. You can find my Twitter handle at that Gomez guy. I'm sure you can figure out by now. I'm the Eagles fan. Um, And then, uh, Keith, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself completely with your Twitter handle?
1: Yeah. um, I have a huge following. i got 12 followers right now. Make it number 13. Really boost my confidence here. My my (laughs) at is at FrankelTakes. That's F-R-A-N-K-E-L Takes. And just look for the hottest stuff on there. It'll be right there for you. And uh, I'm Brock Dunn. My Twitter...
2: Probably has about twice as many as Keith, so I means I'm twice as much. It is that Brock Ocho <laughs> and goat. So that's Brock, and then Ocho, like the number eight goat. You'll see a lot of uh, DeMar DeRozan bashing on there. If I can make it be, it's, it's what I really try to focus on. a lot of retweets, uh, maybe, you know, going at Mike every now and again, and uh, I'll try to make it a good time there on Twitter.
0: All right. Well, until next week, guys, we'll talk to you all later. And uh, I'm sure we'll have more to talk about after the games this week because there's going to be some uh, deciding factors. Um, But um, we'll see you next week.
1: See ya. Bye.